Locked On Podcast Network and Odyssey present Locked On Sports Today. Which 0-2 NFL team has the most to be worried about? Just how on notice should the SEC be about Kentucky's hot start? And you may not like it, but the single season home run record is 73. I'm Peter Bukowski, starting your day with the can't miss stories and biggest debates in sports. You're locked on sports today. Searching all major sports. Found. Let's start with the biggest story. There are just four winless teams left in the NFL, and at least one of them makes some sense. We thought the Atlanta Falcons was not going to be a great team heading into this season, but the other three are AFC playoff teams from a year ago, including the AFC champion Cincinnati Bengals. The other two, the number one seeded Tennessee Titans and the Las Vegas Raiders. Speaking of the Raiders, joining me now from Locked On Raiders and Locked On Bets, uh, it's your boy Q. And Q, when you look at this group, of 0-2 teams, which has been a bad thing to be if you try and make the playoffs later in the season. Very few teams have been able to do it. Which of these teams is the most surprising to you? I mean, I guess you would have to, by default, say the Cincinnati Bengals since they were in the Super Bowl a year ago. But at the same time, Peter, we know that the Super Bowl hangover is real. You know, I mean, and it was many, many moons ago when the Raiders were in the Super Bowl and they got the brakes beat off them by John Gruden and Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and they weren't good for a very long time after that. (laughs) So I know the Super Bowl hangover is real, but I would think with all the talent that they had, especially, you know, offensively, you know what they were able to do last year. And then in the offseason, they went and addressed the offensive line. So I thought, okay, they're going to be a lot better. But that just shows you, man, it's, it's year to year. And just because you were great one year doesn't mean necessarily you're going to be great the next year. But it's a 17-game season. They've lost a couple. Uh, they could probably turn things around, but they got to get that Burrow to chase connection going. They've got to protect Joe Burrow, right? Like I said, they went out and, and addressed the offensive line in the uh, offseason, and they're still giving up a bunch of sacks. And he's turning the ball over, so that's a recipe for a disaster. So I, I think Cincinnati's probably the, the biggest surprise, in my opinion. If there is a group probably from one of these AFC teams, but maybe you love the Falcons this year, Drake London doing work. Uh, is, is there a team, is there a team that you're going, I think I still think they can turn it around. Maybe one of the other two. Well, um, I, I honestly believe I can almost make an argument for all three teams. Uh, Cincinnati. I mean, I just kind of went through the whole uh, laundry list of, of reasons why I'm surprised that they're Owen two. So I think for all those reasons, they could definitely get things turned around, but they've got to make it happen quick. And I, I definitely believe that the Raiders could do it. Uh, They have the offensive firepower. They just got to figure out how to get on the same page. Devontae Adams getting 10 catches one week and two the next week is not going to work. You've got to find the middle even or hell, just feed them, right? I mean, forget about the middle even. Just give them 10 catches a game. That's fine, right? I mean, you went and made the move for for a reason. Uh, Derek Carr is his, his college buddy, right? I mean, they're best friends. They've been wanting to do this forever. Whatever, yada, yada, yada. You know, we've heard that uh, the whole song and dance. So go show it, right? And Josh McDaniels, I've been pounding the table that the guy's an offensive genius. The guy's going to hit all the right buttons play calling wise. And it just hasn't happened yet. You know, you, you give up a 20 point lead to the Arizona Cardinals that aren't a very good team, in my opinion. That goes back to coaching. So I just think that the Raiders definitely have the opportunity to make it happen because they have all the firepower. They just play in a very tough division and play in a very tough conference in the AFC. So they've got to, similar to Cincinnati, get things turned around quick, fast, and in a hurry. And, hey, by the way, they're playing Tennessee this weekend. So there you go. One of those two teams at the end of the day at least is not going to have – they could have three losses or, or they could be, you know, 
They they might be 0-2 and 1. So, I mean, there's there's always that. Who knows what's going to happen, but something's going to shake uh, this uh, upcoming weekend. Yeah, we, we, we've seen already ties this season right. and some near ties, and, and the Bengals have been involved in them as well. So things have gotten weird in the AFC. We thought it might get weird in the AFC. Uh, the, the only other thing that I think is worth asking here is it seems like the coaching situations and the, and the administrations in the three AFC teams are fine. If this continues to go sideways for Arthur Smith, do you think there's a chance that that he could be his that that seat could be getting a little hot? You know, it, it is hot Atlanta after all. You know, I, I don't think so right away because I don't think the expectations were high for Atlanta. Hmm. Right. I mean, I didn't go into the season thinking Atlanta was going to be great. I thought that they were going to you know try out some new pieces. Of course, they have Kyle Pitts, but, you know, they have Desmond Ritter that they just drafted. So they uh, haven't looked he, bad enough. Right. Like if they looked right. like a complete mess, it'd be right. different. Exactly. I just think that I think that their their expectations were low. I'm looking at the other teams with high expectations like, hey, man, you better hurry up and do something like I don't think Josh McDaniels is anywhere close to a hot seat. But the expectations are so high that all of a sudden you're hearing people say, hey, man, uh, are you sure everything's OK with the coach? You're right. And so I, I think everything's fine, but expectations are high in, in Las Vegas. So they got to get it done. And now they have a, a, a women's championship uh, in the WNBA. The Aces brought home a championship. So Mark Davis has a trophy. Right. So now I'm sure he's going to want another one, but in the National Football League. Stay up to date all season on the NFL by subscribing to Locked On Sports today and the Locked On NFL podcast on the Odyssey app, YouTube, or wherever you get podcasts. Thanks for making Locked On Sports today your first listen. Coming up, just how good is Kentucky at, hmm, let me check my notes, football? Now on to Sleeper. Sleeper is the fastest growing fantasy platform today. With the NFL season kicking off, Sleeper is climbing the charts with over 4 million users. In addition, it just launched 22 new features, including an over-under game integrated right into your fantasy interface. It's built into the fantasy experience. Not only can you enter a contest via over-unders itself, but you can also do it through the Fantasy League's matchup screen, which you're probably already using Sleeper for your fantasy league. And if you're not, you should be. It's the best app out there to do it. The over-under game is incredibly easy. Pick a stat. Let's say rushing yards. Then choose the amount of money you want to enter into the contest with a player who you think is going to have more or less than the number set by Sleeper. If you pick correctly, you can win anywhere from two times to over 20 times the money you put in. The main reason that I like Sleeper with this over-under game is it's right in an app that I already use and check every day to make sure my guy's not hurt, to make sure my waiver claims went through, to make sure I don't have any trades, or maybe I want to make a trade. I love having it all there in one place. I also love sharing it with you. So join our listener group at sleeper.com slash lockdown today, and Sleeper will automatically match your first deposit up to $100. Again, go to sleeper.com slash lockdown today, and you'll get a $100 deposit match on that first deposit. Terms and conditions apply. See Sleeper's terms of use for details. Now, here's what you need to be locked on today. Canada likely will drop the vaccine requirement for people who enter the country by the end of September, according to multiple reports on Tuesday. This is a move that impacts unvaccinated professional athletes who travel there for games. 
To enter the country, the Canadian government currently requires a person to have received a second COVID-19 vaccine dose or one dose of the Johnson & Johnson vaccine at least 14 days before entry. But the government likely will be dropping this requirement. In the NBA, teams were informed via a memo last month that players still need to have either received a primary course of a COVID-19 vaccine or have been given a medical clearance from getting one in order to play games in Canada. But that would no longer be necessary once the restrictions are lifted. After the Buffalo Bills limited Derrick Henry to just 25 yards rushing on Monday night, Mike Vrabel is undeterred in his offensive identity for the Tennessee Titans. Well, I mean, it's it's obviously Derrick. I mean, we have a lot of confidence in, in our run game. We have a lot of confidence in in, in our runner. You know, we just have to make sure now that um, you know that we're all on the same page. You know, that we're, that we're blocking things the right way. That we're getting to the right guys. You know, the quarterback's getting us in the right play, and then and then once we do that, I think you're going to start to, you know, we're all going to start to see uh, the plays that that can complement each other and start to work against each other. We just have to, you know, you saw the a little bit of what we wanted to be there in the first drive, where I thought things were, you know, complementing each other and you know moving the football, uh, converting. Um, Ryan had some good good throws. Derek had some good runs. Guys made some good plays for us. And then just kind of come back and, and, and just weren't able to sustain things. The NFL on Tuesday suspended Buffalo Bills offensive lineman Bobby Hart for one game after the league said he took a swing at a Titans player following Monday night's game, but instead hit a Tennessee coach. Per the league's release announcing the suspension for violating unsportsmanlike conduct rules, Hart's actions came at the conclusion of the Bills' 41-7 victory. You can understand why there might be some animosity, at least on one side. Hart, who played in three games for the Titans last season, is a backup offensive lineman for the Bills. He re-signed with the team on a one-year deal in April. The eight-year lineman was originally selected by the New York Giants in the seventh round of the 2015 draft and has also played for the Cincinnati Bengals. And on the Diamonds, the Pirates had a four-run lead on the Yankees, heading to the bottom of the ninth. Then, Aaron Judge hit his 60th home run before Giancarlo Stanton hit a grand slam to walk it off. This is Stacey Gossulius of Locked On Yankees, and the Yankees beat the Pirates in exciting fashion at the stadium on Tuesday night. Walk-off fashion, comeback fashion, Judge hitting number 60 fashion. It was, it was quite a game. It was quite a game. The Yankees found themselves down 8-4. Heading into the bottom of the ninth, Aaron Judge hit number 60 to make it 8-5. And you're thinking, okay, at least he got 60. Move on to the next one. But Will Crow of the Pirates decided to help the Yankees out a little bit. Anthony Rizzo hit a double. Gleyber Torres walked. Josh Donaldson hit a single. Aaron Boone pinch ran, thinking, hey, if Stanton makes contact, we need faster runners on the bases. And Stanton was like got this and he hits a walk-off grand slam and the Yankees win 9-8 so it was a very exciting game and I will have a complete recap of this we will be gushing about Aaron Judge again because that's what we've been doing all week and Harrison Bader had a very nice Yankees debut so we'll have it all for you on the next Locked on Yankees here is another story you need to know Kentucky it's a basketball school right not in 2022 it's not after shutting out Youngstown State 
The Kentucky Wildcats football program is the number eight team in the nation, matching its highest ranking since 1977. Joining me now from the Locked on Wildcats podcast, Lance Daw. And, and Lance, this is a team that they get that monster win over Florida. Now, how far can they push this? Well, like you said, that that win over number 12 Florida was a really, really good jump start for the Wildcats that after their season opener looked like they had a lot more flaws than maybe they would have thought heading into this season. We thought the offensive line was going to be uh, just as consistent as it was last year, despite some losses. But Kentucky hasn't really been able to to run the football. And there are a lot of negative things that have come from that. But they're continuing to win. They've had two uh, cupcake games so far this season. They're going to have another one coming up this week against Northern Illinois. But man. This team, if they continue to work through their flaws, Mark Stoops and Brad White, the defensive coordinator for the Wildcats, they continue to coach through these flaws. I think their ceiling is an SEC East championship or a title win. Now, I genuinely believe that. Now, whether or not they actually get to that point, you know, there's got there's going to be a couple of games between their game against Georgia that will kind of determine whether or not that's a reality. You've got a road game here in a couple of weeks uh, against what will probably be a top 15 team in Ole Miss. That's going to be 11 a.m. kick. I hate that, but regardless, to be honest with you, I think that probably gives the Wildcats a, a bit more of a shot to actually win that game. You go at ten, on the road at Tennessee. Like I mentioned, you play at home against Georgia, second to last week of the season. So there are tests still left on this schedule, but I truly believe that Kentucky has something that a lot of a lot of other teams in their own division don't have. That's depth. I know that's weird to say because it is Kentucky football. And I also think they have a lot more high end talent than some of these other schools. Kentucky brought in a top 15 recruiting class nationally this past season. We're starting to see some of those freshmen on defense specifically really start to do really good things for the Wildcats. Uh, Peter, I really do believe that Kentucky can take this all the way. Now, whether or not they win the SEC championship game is an interesting question, but I genuinely believe, I know a lot of people are high on Georgia right now, but because Kentucky gets that game at home, second last game of the season, everybody's going to have everything figured out at that point. You have a legitimate shot to take down the Bulldogs. Like I mentioned, there's some stepping stones between that point, and you've got to figure out some more things Probably the most important thing is getting Chris Rodriguez, the star tailback, back. He's been uh, uh, serving a four-game suspension. He'll be back for the Ole Miss game. Once he's back, I think you really start to see a more complete product from the Wildcats. They can take this thing all the way if they if they want to. You mentioned the high-end talent. One of the places where they have that talent is the most important place on the field. Will Levis, at quarterback, getting first-round pick kind of buzz. This is the kind of season we saw catapulted Joe Burrow into being the number one overall pick. Not that that Levis is necessarily going to be what Joe Burrow was. He doesn't have Justin Jefferson and Jamar Chase to throw to either. That would help. But what does he do when you're when you're trying to compare Kentucky? If they're going to spring an upset against a Georgia or in you know in a potential meeting with Alabama, it seems like getting high end quarterback play is their best path toward doing that. And that's kind of what's taken down Nick Saban and Kirby Smart teams of the past is elite quarterback play. And look, I know that there are a lot of people out there that are really high on Will Levis. And I spoke about this during the offseason. If I'm not mistaken, CBS Sports at one point had Will Levis not just mocked in the first round, but as the number one overall player taken in the draft to the Texans. And mm. I said, you know what? That's awesome. Let's rein it in a little bit, because to be honest with you, I think that we need to see more out of Will Levis. We need to see more production. We need to see him work on one specific thing in my mind, and that's turnovers. So far this season, six touchdowns, four interceptions. Uh, a couple of those have not been his fault. 
but we are starting to see him progress, not on the physical side of things. He's got all the physical traits you'd want in your quarterback. He's got the height. He's got the athleticism. He's got the speed, the strength. He's got everything. You want to see the mental side of things develop at this point. You want to see the footwork, the mechanics continue to develop. And I think we're starting to see that. I know that this offensive line has been shaky and it's kind of prohibited him from showing his full ability. But you know what? Kentucky's got a really solid quarterback under center. And as long as they have him, they're going to have opportunities to spring upsets. Stay up to date all year on the University of Kentucky Athletics by subscribing to Locked On Sports Today and the Locked On Kentucky podcasts on the Odyssey app, YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. Coming up, the official record for most home runs in a season is 73 and held by Barry Bonds. Not sure why this is an issue. Aaron Judge is having a monster season at the plate. Whoa, right? He has a shot to win the AL Triple Crown and set the record for most homers hit by an AL player in a single season. When asked about the official home run record, Aaron Judge quickly said it is 73 by Barry Bonds. As Sully over at Locked On MLB points out, just because we may not like something doesn't mean it isn't true. You may not like the fact that I rattled off Bonds a couple by McGuire, a couple by Sosa, ahead of Roger Maris. But that's what it is. I can prove it in a court of law. Sometimes you have to put those asterisks in your head, kind of like how I don't acknowledge that the sequels of Jaws exist, and I try not to think about the Star Wars prequels. I can watch them without acknowledging that they exist, but they're there. I can enjoy and appreciate the Star Wars movies I like with. And, and sort of block out those other ones. But I have to admit they exist. You may not like Bonds and McGuire and Sosa on that list. And I totally understand. But the fact of the matter is they exist. They exist and they're real. Whether you want them to be real, whether they are the ones in your mind, that's a you issue. And I'm not going to tell, I would never in 10 quadrillion years, I would not go back a long time ago to a galaxy far, far away to tell someone to look at Bonds with the same reverence as they would for Ruth. But remember, they did the same thing to Maris by putting a freaking asterisk next to his uh, statistics when it happened. There were people who didn't acknowledge Maris, which makes me think in 10, 20 years, People will be respecting Bonds and Sosa McGuire left and right. I think they'll absolutely be doing that when people look back and say, why aren't McGuire and Sosa in the Hall of Fame? Why not? That's what will happen a generation or so from now. But Judge is right. Now, if he gets these home runs and passes Maris, being the all-time American League single-season home run champion is nothing to sneeze at. Sully is absolutely right about this. The home run record is 73. We watched it happen. We watched Sammy Sosa and Mark McGuire's home run chase. And in a generation, and maybe less than a generation, we will be wondering why anyone has any question about what the number is. We saw it happen. It's almost like vacating wins in college sports or taking away Reggie Bush's Heisman. No, I watched it happen. I saw them do it. That's the record. And when it comes to performance-enhancing drugs, when it comes to 
the things physically that players do to get an edge in 5, 10, 15, 20 years? Are we going to have the same viewpoint about all of these things? And are we going to clutch our pearls with the same intensity over the guys who were, quote, cheating the game such that you feel like that's actually a thing? The number is 73. Now, if Aaron Judge, okay, when Aaron Judge breaks Roger Maris's record, that's going to be a huge deal, and he is a legend for doing it. This season is legendary. He is going to be the American League MVP. But the record is 73. He knows that. We all should know that, too. And finally, six-time All-Pro offensive lineman Joe Thomas, shutdown cornerback Darrell Rivas, and speedy pass rusher Dwight Freeney headlined the list of nine first-year eligible players picked among the 129 nominees for the 2023 class of the Pro Football Hall of Fame. The other first-year eligibles are running back Chris Johnson, offensive lineman Jari Evans, linebackers Navarro Bowman and James Harrison, defensive back Cam Chancellor, and yes, punter Shane Leckler. In addition to my long-standing takes that Mike Holmgren and Sterling Sharp should already be in the Hall of Fame, this has the chance to be a really, really good class of modern players between Darrell Rivas, who was the best true cover corner, shutdown corner since Deion Sanders, the best cover player of his era, even if Charles Woodson was the better all-around defensive back. You have the best offensive lineman of his generation in Joe Thomas, and an iconic pass rusher in Dwight Freeney, whose spin move is legend. This is a terrific group. The Hall of Fame was made for players like this, who personified an era. But I want to give a special shout out to Joe Thomas because he did it on a team that was complete garbage around him for his entire career. He was never rewarded. His hard work was never paid off with wins, with playoff appearances, and with, frankly, the sort of plaudits that would come with having a higher profile. Joe Thomas personifies what we look for in a Hall of Famer, and I will be glad when he's in. Thanks for making Locked On Sports today your first listen. Now go find your favorite team's Locked On podcast and make them your second listen. Coming up tomorrow, how comfortable are the Mets with their playoff aspirations? So at least until tomorrow, stay Locked On Sports today.